0: Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a hard apple cider. What are you having, Jenny?
1: I'm drinking a glass of Pinot Grigio, and on today's episode, we're ending our scammer-themed month with the Maria Duval scam, one of the most successful mail scams and longest-running scams in history, taking over $200 million in the U.S. alone beginning sometime in the 1990s, people around the world started receiving letters from a psychic named Maria Duval. In these letters, Duval would offer her psychic powers and provide the receiver with everything from winning lottery numbers to recovery from an illness to avoiding future misfortune for just $40 per correspondence. The cost went up when victims purchased their additional offerings like crystals and talismans. Each letter looked to be handwritten and signed by Duval. They also included personal details to help convince the victim that they were indeed communicating with a psychic. Some were even sent with coffee stains to help them appear more realistic. In addition to payments, many letters also requested more personal details about the victim. Some even asked for photos or locks of their hair. However, postal inspectors say the Duval letters are mass-produced and the talismans are worthless pieces of plastic from China. Letters were discovered in a dozen countries, including the U.S., Japan, Australia, and Canada. Individuals who were sick, lonely, depressed, elderly, or lower income were generally targeted due to their vulnerability. Due to the personal details in the letters, like the inclusion of their name, age, and hometown, many thought Duval's psychic abilities were real and that she was even their friend. This connection caused many victims to regularly stay in touch with the psychic. In reality, their personal information, like name and address, had been taken from quote-unquote suckers lists sold by companies known as data brokers. Advertisements placed in newspapers around the world have solicited this data too. And these ads sometimes didn't even mention Maria Duval. instead asking the readers to send in everything from their zodiac sign and their time of birth to their marital status all under the guise of a research study where they could end up winning large amounts of money. Thousands of letters were sent each month and over one million mailings were estimated to have gone out in the US. The scam went even further when Duval's psychic assistant, Patrick Guerin, began offering his services to Duval's victims, which brought in even more money. Let's hear about a few of the scam's victims. Chrissy Stevens' 80-year-old mother, Doreen Robinson, was suffering from Alzheimer's disease and sending her friend Maria Duval thousands of dollars. Stevens told CNN Money during their investigation that her mom was "quote lonely, bored, wanting to be wealthy and well." End quote. Likely due to her declining mental state, Robinson would sometimes send Duval money twice a day. In one year alone, she sent Maria Duval twenty-four hundred dollars. Stevens discovered that her mom was tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and she had been sending a majority of her monthly fixed income payments to Duval and other scammers. And sadly, Robinson passed away in 2014.
0: In December 1998, a 17-year-old girl from the UK named Claire was found dead in the River Ware with a letter from Maria Duval in her pocket. Claire had been in correspondence with Duval for weeks leading up to her death. According to Claire's mom, Claire was reportedly obsessed with Maria Duval and the paranormal and thinks that these interactions hurt her mental state. She told the Evening Chronicle that Claire had spent her money on, quote, buying lucky charms and pendants from Maria Duval, end quote. She added that, quote, Claire used to be a happy girl, but she went downhill after getting involved in all of this, end quote. At the time of CNN's Money's investigation into Maria Duval, there have been numerous complaints about the psychic on online consumer forums. Many shared that they were worse off financially than when Duval first contacted them. Some asked for help and shared that they felt like a quote-unquote fool. One complaint made by an individual who said they were suffering from brain cancer said that Duval would send quote-unquote panicky letters demanding $45 twice a month, ultimately costing the person around $1,500 in disability benefits. They went on to say, quote, she could never have enough. She is the biggest scam ever, end quote. In some instances, the Duval letters had taken a more beneficent tone, alluding to misfortune to those who ignored her. In 1997, one woman told the Scottish Daily Record and Sunday Mail newspaper that she was terrified of what would happen if she didn't send money. She said, quote, when I wrote to say I didn't have that kind of cash, the letters got even more frightening. I was so scared I couldn't eat or sleep, worrying whether I'd be hit by more bad luck. I was convinced I needed further heart surgery and this time I might not survive." End quote. Law enforcement in several countries were on the hunt for Duval and the company in charge of the letters. At first, investigators concluded that Maria Duval was just a persona and stock photo used by scammers. Numerous Maria Duval trademarks that have reportedly been filed by Duval herself have been granted around the world since the initial French trademark in 1985. Even attorneys involved in the trademarks had not met Duval in person. In 2009, a Dutch firm claimed in a trademark dispute that Duval had granted the use of her name and allowed it to, quote, carry out her activities, end quote. No government agency in the world had ever been able to bring Duval in for questioning. No one had been able to track her down. In 2007, Duval signed a settlement agreement with the U.S. Post Service. But no one was able to tell CNN Money where the signature came from during their investigation. The International Consumer Protection and Enforcement Network called Duval a quote-unquote probably fictitious character when it attempted to end her advertisement and mailings in nine countries. Once the scam was halted in one country, it would quickly move to another. An investigation by the United States Department of Justice began in 2014, and they sought to stop Duval and Patrick The investigation found that the wall letters allegedly started from InfoGuys Direct Marketing, a Canadian company InfoGuides flooded the United States with 56 million Maria Duval letters between 2006 and 2014 and has been investigated for other scams, including one about fraudulent weight loss products. And what's likely an attempt to evade authorities who had tried to shut down the mailings before, InfoGuides sent the letters all around North America before they landed in victims' mailboxes. In a response filed in court, InfoGuides had acknowledged that it, quote, arranged to send, quote, the letters, but denied any wrongdoing. According to CNN Money, a Canadian company was hired by Infoguides to print Duval's letters, which were addressed to thousands of mainly elderly Americans whose names had been brought from data brokers.
1: The letters were then shipped by truck across the Canadian border by the same company to Albany, New York, where they were mailed out in batches of as many as 50,000 at a time. Recipients' responses were sent to Destiny Research Center in Hong Kong at one of its U.S. or Canadian addresses. However, these addresses were just commercial mailboxes that had been opened by Destiny Research Center. The responses were then bundled and sent to another company, Data Marketing Group, in Long Island, New York. Data Marketing Group, which settled the charges and denied any wrongdoing, was allegedly in charge of processing payments and directing another company to send out the talismans. They reportedly processed as much as $500,000 every two weeks. Victims were then added to a comprehensive database and new letters asking for additional payments were sent, essentially starting the cycle once again. The investigation concluded later that year, and in 2016, the mail fraud scheme was permanently shut down in the U.S. Though there was success with stopping the letters within the U.S., they were not able to find out who was the head of the scam's global operations. The journalists spoke to dozens of people along the way and ran into many dead ends. They luckily ended up with a list of what they believed was every person associated with the Duval letters over the years. At some point, an anonymous former employee of AstroForce, a European company that had been linked to Maria Duval, reached out and told them to look into European businessmen Jacques-Michel Meland and Jean-Claude Rio. This former employee claimed that Rio was in charge of AstroForce and Infoguest, and that Meland hired Duval to be part of a mailing campaign in the early 90s along with two other psychics. Other public documents, including Melon's name as the contact for the Maria Duval website, supported the employees' claims that these were the men behind the con. He continued by saying he didn't know how Duval had been compensated and that he had never met with her. More employees followed suit and came forward saying that Rio was head of the company that distributed the Duval letters. A Dutch journalist heard that the CNN investigation was going on and shared that in 2007, Meland was Duval's quote-unquote personal secretary and that Meland acknowledged his involvement with the Duval operations. When the team from CNN tried to contact Meland, they were told he had died in a motorbike accident. However, they were not able to find an official record of his death. They did manage to get in touch with Rayo via email. He then told them that he once owned InfoGuest and a number of other companies that were grouped into Rayo holding. In 1996, he claimed that he began selling the business but remained a shareholder. This would have been the same time the Duval letters were being sent worldwide. Though he shared this information, he would not say who he sold the business to. He also vehemently denied any involvement with the Duval letters and contradicted evidence they had found linking him to Astroforce. Though they were unable to determine who was currently at the head of the scam, they found other companies working with psychics as part of possible scams.
0: The team then set their sights on finding Maria Duval herself. She was alleged to be living in a tiny French town of Calais, They were able to get in touch with the mayor of the town, Francois Bury, who had worked for Duval for 10 years and backed up findings they had found online. Bury also shared that Duval still resided in college. Her health was declining, she's extremely private, and she no longer provided psychic consultations. Through Worry, they discovered that they were searching for Doral using the wrong last name, and that they were actually looking for Maria Gamba, Doral's true identity. This led to a plethora of new information coming out, including business filings that show Maria Gamba herself have been the sole shareholder of AstroForce. Upon the liquidation of the company in 2008, Gamba received $200,000. The filings also confirmed that she was 78 at the time of the investigation, was born in Milan, Italy, and was now a French citizen. In Collis, the journalists discovered newspapers featuring Stewards of Gamba having Aided in finding missing people using her psychic abilities, Gamba gained some fame and even appeared on the cover of Vogue Paris, Paris. She had also claimed that she had found actress Brigitte Bardot's missing dog, which was confirmed to be untrue. Locals tended to know of Gamba, but many claimed they didn't have any personal interactions with her. They made it to Gamba's home and was told that she was away for the week, so they left a note in her mailbox. Doing more digging, they were also able to speak with Gamba's sister, who quote-unquote seemed shocked when she was told that the U.S. government had filed a lawsuit against Duval. She was able to provide them with an important piece of information. Gamba had sold the rights to her name to a Swiss company many years ago and that her sister didn't have anything to do with what happened afterwards. She also repeated what others had told us, saying Gamba's health had been declining. While in France, they also got in contact with Duval's son, Antoine Perfori, Perfoy said that for many years, his mother lived a normal life, first as an owner of an industrial cleaning business specializing in pools and saunas, and then as the proprietor of several clothing stores. It was in these stores that she first gave astrological consultations to friends. He explained that her psychic name was not an alias that as many had suspected, and that Duval was the name she took from her second marriage. He said that there was no question that his mother is a real psychic and that she started out intent on helping others. But this all ended when she sold the rights to her name to Swiss businessmen over two decades ago. He shared that at first the business sold astrology charts, but as the men behind the operation got greedier, the business model changed and the mass mailings in her name began. He claimed his mother was very upset about the letters, but there was nothing she could do. When they asked why she had defended the letters in the past, he said she has signed contracts preventing her from criticizing the business
1: in any way. Antoine claimed these contracts also required her to make media appearances around the world. He went on to say there would be legal and financial consequences if she tried to break the contract and that the contracts barred her from using the Maria Duval name for her personal work. As a result, he said the royalties and payments she received were her sole income. He acknowledged that she received a lot of money at first, though he wouldn't say how much and may not even know himself but that as the rights to her name passed through so many hands, the payments slowed. These days, he doesn't think she receives any royalties. He said that she is very sad about what has happened and that he hates seeing the way his mother's name has been used. He told the team, quote, it's terrible, but differentiate the name from the person, end quote. Antoine was certain that the businessman behind the scheme had made far more money than his mother. However, he was so worried he could get his mother into trouble, he refused to name the scheme's ringleaders. The business has changed hands so many times that he said at this point his mother's name has become, quote, a runaway train that will continue on in infamy, end quote. All of CNN Money's findings were published in 2018. That same year, Gamba's home in Calais was searched by French police and American investigators. A U.S. Postal Inspection Service investigation got underway that year and two Canadian citizens, Maria Thanos and Philip Lett, pleaded guilty in June of 2019 to conspiracy to commit mail fraud. In December 2020, their alleged associate Patrice Runner was extradited from Spain on similar charges investigators have concluded that the number of people scammed cannot be determined, but that 1.4 million individuals in the U.S. alone have been affected. This was 60 times more victims than Bernie Madoff's infamous Ponzi scheme. And I wanted to say, I don't know for sure if this scam is still going on there's a lot of, I guess, uncertain information in this story, but I thought it was really fascinating and I wanted to bring it up. So Del, what are your thoughts on the Maria Duval scam? I think that mm-hmm. like
0: many things in the psychic space, of course it wasn't a, a scam associated with it. I think that the fact that they targeted people that had mental health issues, cognitive decline, and were elderly. It's just something that these scammers do to increase their profits. I think that this case has so many twists and turns that it's really hard to navigate exactly who is at fault and where the real malice lies, like in whose hands does it lie. I think that when it comes to just the span of it, the fact that it hit so many different countries on different continents, and it was definitely a very sophisticated operation. I definitely feel really bad for the victims, both the two that we named and all the other individuals that sent money in thinking that this is what they needed to do to make their life better. When it comes to the Maria Duval name, I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but it just seems like a hot mess and really just gives credence to the fact that you need to own your own name because once you sell it you have no idea what people are going to do with it what shady shenanigans they're going to get up to and you then have little power to stop it what are your thoughts
1: I agree with basically everything you said. I know we've talked about psychics in the past, and I know we have like some differing views on psychics, but this scam, it's impressive, not for positive reasons. It's just amazing the lengths that they went to, the number of people that were affected, the amount of money that they got within the U.S. alone, and the way they really covered their tracks. It was really sophisticated. Like you said, I think that's the perfect wording for it. And these people were not dumb. And I doubt that they hadn't scammed before this and that, you know, they weren't doing other scams at the same time as well. It is really sad to hear about these victims. And it does really make me sick hearing about these people that are vulnerable getting taken advantage of. And we're going to talk about that a little more in a minute too. But I thought it was interesting to hear about the girl from the UK and her death is likely not directly related to Maria Duval. but it's interesting to see how so many of these victims were affected in so many different ways. People just becoming so obsessed with these letters that it possibly led to their death somehow, or people thinking that We talked about the one woman from Scotland being so paranoid that she was going to get sick again. That's, you know, I can't even imagine the amount of paranoia and fear that these people were living with. I wanted to ask Del, do you think Maria is a victim too, like her son and her sister say, or was she just as in on the scam as the two French businessmen?
0: So I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. I definitely don't think that she was directly involved in the formulation or the carrying out of the scam, but I find it hard to believe that someone that was successful at setting up different businesses would not be curious as to why so much money is being made off her name. And I think the fact that She was not able to criticize them through the agreement. Lindsay saw that she knew that something was going on, but it seemed like she might have valued the financial windfall that she was getting over exposing the scam. So was she in on it? No, but I wouldn't categorize her as a victim and I definitely don't think that any real harm came to her as a result of this scam except for what happened to her her name. What about you?
1: It is really hard to say and I think the truth probably does lie somewhere in the middle. I think you can say too the fact that she's kind of like a recluse that could go either way. You know, maybe she is a victim. She can't afford to do a ton of stuff. She's embarrassed by what her reputation has become. So that's part of why she's taken a step back from public life. But then you could also say like, she knows what's going on. And that's why she wanted to take a step away from public life too. I did want to point out, and I do recommend the CNN piece. It's like a five part series online it's just like five different articles. And then there's like a few more to kind of supplement some of the information, but they mentioned that there was another, I think he was a psychic, another man in a somewhat similar situation who could not get out of a contract for years. And his name was being used and kind of like tossed through the mud or dragged through the mud, but he was eventually able to get out of it. It took a lot, but he was able to get out of his contract. So They kind of bring that up to question the story a little bit. So that does make me raise an eyebrow. But at the same time, like we said, the people behind this scam know what they're doing. So maybe they did make a contract that was truly unbreakable. Maria, you know, wasn't really thinking maybe she was seeing the good in these people And didn't get proper, like a proper lawyer or someone to read this contract and just went ahead with it and really got majorly screwed. Because we've talked about that many times too, where people just don't have like great representation into looking into contracts and they realize they're kind of like selling their soul. And that's really sad. But like what you said, it's on a different level than these victims because people lost their livelihood and were taken advantage of. And I guess you could say the same thing about Maria, but she's still living her life, I don't know, too much how it affected her. I mean, if she is, like, truly so embarrassed and ashamed, you know, I feel awful for that. But they're definitely victims in different senses of the word. In their research, CNN
0: found that many psychics target elderly individuals astrology, palm reading, tarot cards, and mediums can be harmless when they offer insights for entertainment purposes only. But the practice can have a sinister side when so-called psychics are accused of taking advantage of vulnerable people. People around the world have been scanned out of hundreds of dollars, sometimes even more in these cases. Most fortune tellers start small asking for just a few dollars to give an initial quote-unquote reading and then Only when you're convinced they're the real deal do they start charging the big bucks. Here are two examples of other psychic-related scams. Gina Marie Marks, who went by the name Natalie Miller, was accused of employing a number of strategies to convince people to pay for her psychic guidance, according to the Washington Post. When one woman came to see her after a painful breakup, she allegedly quote-unquote predicted when the client's ex-boyfriend would call then use phone spoofing to make it look like he was calling when it was really the psychic herself. She was also accused of requesting thousands of dollars in cash and designer handbags from clients to place on an altar, which she never returned. Marks pled guilty to five counts of theft and was sentenced to six years in prison. She was also ordered to pay back over $340,000 she had collected
1: over two years. A 64 year old woman from Bedford, New York, told police that she paid psychic Janet Lee $11,600 for quote unquote spiritual work to remove a quote unquote dark force from her life that Lee said was preventing her from making her dreams come true, according to the Greenwich Times. Lee was arrested in 2018 and charged with third degree grand larceny. She had run into trouble with the law before having been arrested earlier that year and charged with scheming to defraud. She was also indicted in 2017 on charges of identity theft, forgery, and criminal possession of a forged instrument. Nygaard told News 12 Westchester that four other alleged victims have approached him about money they lost paying Lee for psychic services. And Nygaard, I believe, was some type of prosecutor lawyer in this case. We have some tips on how to be diligent and to watch out for when it comes to avoiding a psychic scam. If you want to have any kind of psychic reading, always ask for the price before starting, either at the store or before your meeting. It definitely shouldn't cost an obscene amount of money. And if it does, that's also kind of a red flag. If you call ahead, you may be able to look into other locations and get an idea of what an average cost would be for the service that you want. If a fortune teller says you have a curse, need a lucky charm, or should have special candles or a prayer said for you, walk away. This is a red flag. We also know that sometimes these psychics can uh, strike via email, delete all spam from any alleged psychics, avoid calling psychic hotlines as they tend to charge large fees and get you to stay on the line longer in order to rake in more money. And again, delete any emails regarding lotteries that you've never entered or heard of. Any thoughts on these scams, Del?
0: I mean, it's just so sad. And Of course, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I am definitely not someone who is into psychics or fortune tellers or any other thing related to it. I find all of it to be just a way to get money out of individuals without really providing any type of good service or anything related to that. Um, And these people just reinforce why. I don't like it. I think that they have a propensity to target people who are at the lowest points of their lives and they're just looking for someone to tell them it's going to be okay tell them what they want to hear. And then the psychics, the scammers just make money off of it. Definitely think the tips are a great advice. And I hope that more and more people realize that if you are paying for something and the price seems completely ridiculous, or if you can't afford it, Note that and just be willing to walk away, be willing to find it for a cheaper price. Though I don't agree with the entire practice, I know that there are individuals that are not scamming people in the direct way, of course, and are able to provide individuals with the fortune telling that they're looking for in a way that the people can afford it. What about you?
1: So I've said before, I do believe in psychics and people that have abilities. I don't think everyone that says that they can do this is able to. I definitely 100% think there are scammers out there, including these people that we talked about. It is really sad. It's so ridiculous hearing the first person how they wanted designer handbags from clients to place on an altar. I'm sorry, but if you fall for that, come on. I guess relating it to the second person about how there was like a dark force, there is a lot of these scams centered around, oh, you're cursed and I can help you. And I totally understand why people would be freaked out by that and want to do what they have to, especially if it starts off at a small price, which is what we saw with the Maria Duval scam as well. But yeah, just hearing like the lengths people will go to... Having like the phone spoof, that's, I would never think to do that. So again, I hate to say I'm impressed by something, but good on her for committing to her scam, I guess. And then the person in New York, Janet lee it sounds like she's just like a lifetime scammer. And we kind of talked about people like that several times throughout this month. But yeah, just wild stuff. And to hear all the stuff she's been accused of is kind of fascinating to me
0: yeah i definitely agree there is something fascinating and interesting about the creativity of some scammers right and just i guess criminals in general but there's something about scammers where you think if you use this creativity and this intelligence that you clearly have for a positive reason you could be getting so much praise and kind of like adulation, but you use it for scamming and then you wind up in jail and with a negative reputation.
1: Like we said, elderly people tend to be exploited by scammers pretty often, but why exactly is that? One of the biggest reasons is that seniors typically have more money and savings with little debt while young adults have student loans, mortgages, and debt. However, it's not just wealthy seniors that are targeted. Seniors also tend to be more trusting as they grew up in a time where you took someone for their word. One obvious factor is that older adults are not as tech savvy and can be more trusting of the internet. When someone emails them pretending to be their bank, a senior is more likely to open that email and click on a suspicious link. If a message pops up on their computer saying a virus has been detected, a senior citizen is more likely to call the number that appears, leading to scammers getting their personal information. Another reason is that seniors value their independence. Due to worries about memory loss and being judged for falling for a scam, seniors are less likely to report that they are a victim of a scam. Specific scams that
0: target seniors include healthcare, Medicare, health insurance fraud, counterfeit prescription drug fraud, funeral and cemetery scams, romance scams, and the grandparent scam, where a scammer calls someone pretending to be their grandchild and asks for money to help with a financial problem. Financial scams are devastating to many older adults and can leave them in a very vulnerable position with little time to recoup their losses. In addition to seniors, scammers quote-unquote score best with people who are emotionally vulnerable, those experiencing personal or professional problems who need help and guidance. Almost anyone who's down on their luck, a little desperate or greedy, or who wants to improve their lot can become a victim. Women make up more than 60% of financial exploitation victims, according to Swartzer and Associates Law Firm. Nearly one half of elderly victims are at least 80 years old. Race is also a factor with African-Americans being victims of scams more than other groups. It is important to educate groups about current scams. Talk to them about not giving their personal information out to strangers reassure your elderly loved ones that you will not judge them if they fall victims to a scam. Make sure your elderly loved ones know that they can come to you with a problem without judgment and let them feel free to come to you if there is an issue.
1: Any thoughts on any of this, Del?
0: Yeah, I just think it's really important to, like we said, not judge and understand that Scammers know who to target. It's just like any other crime where people pick their victims based on who they think they are more likely to hurt and get away with it. And financial scams are no different. And it's really sad that the elderly are targeted in this way. And I hope that the regulations around it become stronger, the laws become harsher, and that individuals are getting educated more on how to avoid them and recoup any losses that they do have from the scam.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I thought it was surprising for me personally because I wouldn't have thought about the loss of independence being a factor but it definitely makes sense and you shouldn't like we said judge the loved one you know as frustrating and scary as it may be that's like the last thing they need. I'm sure they're already embarrassed enough when it comes to these scams. And it is important to educate like yourself and other people in your life because we've said this many times, scams are always changing. And like we just said earlier too, people are very creative when it comes to their scamming and keeping the scam going while also protecting their identity.
0: That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about the Maria Duval scam. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with a brand new episode focused on the acid bath murder. As always, stay safe.